All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Gold, and I'm joined once again, and as usual, by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. John, what's up, bro? We had some preseason football. We did. We did. We actually get to talk about football this week. I'm, I'm excited about that. But the first thing I got to point out is you're wearing an Astros hat again. Yeah, I like this color scheme. <laughs> Um, so I went with a scheme over my Dodgers. Not that I'm a Dodger fan. I am, I like the Astros better. I just, I really liked this hat when I saw it. I took the daughter okay. back to school shopping and was like, Ooh, I like this. And the Dodger hat they had was cool, but it was all pink with just the white, uh, Dodgers logo. And I was like, eh, that won't work. What, what hat is that? What version is that? So like the no Mo- Mother's Day or like Fan Weekend or you know they like weekend. name all of them. Okay, so it's probably like Fan Weekend or whatnot or Player's yeah. Choice, whatever they call it. I don't know. Okay, uh, I mean it's it's like, a nice hat. I like it. Yeah, and I, I mean it's even time. better that it's an Astros instead of a Dodgers because you know the yeah. Dodgers suck. But <laughs> I haven't been wearing fitteds in a while. This is like the first fitted I've bought in like a year. I've been wearing a lot of snaps for a while. Nice. But I figured I'd get another fitted. Uh, let's see what's going on in the chat here. All right, there's Paul, a punch and pay. Everybody show up if we have punch and pay. Um, oh, Paul asking Pat, when will the show start? He says this week. And then throws a shot at us at this rate. It might start before today's. Let's be real. It won't. Um, <laughs> we are only going on week three here and uh, still no Jair and Pat show. So, kind of got. You know, I'm really excited to hear this show too. Like at this point, like I mean, it keeps getting pushed back, so it better be great. Like it better be polished. It's like the Kanye album, you know. Like Kanye is supposed to drop three weeks ago, and yet here we are. Hasn't dropped yet. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll be the greatest thing that's ever been created. We'll find out. all right, uh, you guys can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me at YoungAri underscore Gold. You can follow John at JohnAWade3. Uh, make sure you guys follow Jair at JRLTU and Patrick Storm. I don't even know what Patrick's um It's Patrick Storm to you. Is it Patrick? I thought it was the Patrick Storm or something like Did that. Did he change it again? I, you know, I, I can never keep up. He's like Puff Daddy. It's Diddy, it's Puff Daddy, it's Mr. Love, what, whatever else is next. Honestly, I have no idea. This Dude, you're so kind names. of the wrong person to drop shade on somebody changing their Twitter handle. What? I mean, Why granted you... Young Ari Gold or... But it's been I three different ones. I am Young Ari Gold. You changed it to something else. I can't even remember what it was for a half minute. And then you add the, added the space. So, I mean... Yeah, Maybe. Maybe that's it. It's ego from it's all ego driven for me. For Pat, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, no, he's still Patrick Storm to you. Okay, look at him. Look at him. Here we go. Um, we have football on Saturday, so that was great. We did. That was fun. Uh, and, that was anything, fun. Anything new in your life that has happened since we talked last week outside of? Jack coming in here and talking to you during the pod. Anything new? I, I wanted to do this every week. I wanted to do anything new or great or positive or something awesome that happened to you over the last week. I started my first day at my new job, so I'm excited about that. You know, was that today or yesterday? That was yesterday. 
You know yeah. what? Starting starting working remotely though is weird because you know when you're in the office, they look at you even though they don't have a plan. They're like, "We got to do something with them." Yeah. But when you're remote, you just sit there and you wait for the Slack notification because nobody tells you what's going on. So you just sit there and you're like, "Maybe they'll Slack me. Maybe they remember I'm here. I'm like yeah. the new guy, you know." That's but no, awesome. it's awesome getting paid, getting a paycheck again. That's getting nice. a paycheck. No, 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 no. Let's 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 actually phrase this properly. <laughs> So John, John was, had a job he did not like in a field that he has done extremely well for a very, very long time. And at the, at his age, it's extremely hard to make a career change and go and do something completely different. And it's one of those things that it's just very challenging. There's, you know, you're, you're lacking experience. So therefore it's hard for companies to want to give you the time of day to interview for an actual job that other people do have experience for. So John went to a UX design class and course and boot camp and whatever, whatever it may be, all the things <laughs> that gives him a certification in UX design uh, and was pushed extremely hard by our own website developer, uh, Cody Alder, who kind of pushed him into Cody's realm, which Cody is a UX designer and for John, he did that. He quit his job. Now, John has two kids and a wife. Now, um, his wife has a very good job, so it gave them the ability to be able to kind of take the time to do it. But what a six-month – it was supposed to be six months turned into, what, nine months, Exactly right? nine one, months year. Yeah, exactly one year. Exactly one year. It'll be so – It was a year. Of one year between working. paychecks. Six months of interning. Um, yeah. and having to actually learn the job and put experience on his resume was told he was only going to get a starting job at around 60 K until he got some experience. I'm not going to say your salary. So don't worry, John. I know white people are extremely fragile about how much money they make a year, uh, but, uh, got a job that pays him a lot more than what he was supposed to make and started this week. So for me, I'm shocked and amazed. Uh, I'm not shocked because I knew you would, but just it's awesome to see you um, follow your dreams, follow something that you wanted to do. You now work for the first time in eight to five. You get to be a family man and you get to also have the job that you wanted in a career that you wanted. Um, so I don't think it's an overstatement in congratulating you and talking you up about what you were able to accomplish <laughs> because uh, you did that while also having a baby during COVID, during a pandemic. Like, there's like so many different things that you had to kind of, so many obstacles you had to get over to be able to have the opportunity that you do. So congratulations, John. I think it's an amazing feat. And this is going to be something you'll be able to tell your kids. Like, this is really one of those things where like you can do whatever you want to do. Nah, dude, I appreciate it. I do want to clear up one thing. It's not really eight to five. Do you know what's awesome about remote work? Well, Show up to your meetings and then just, you know, well, work whenever you want. Shh, don't say that. Dude, like it's... He, he doesn't mean he doesn't mean <laughs> what he says. He's new to this. He's never had a job like this. He works extremely no, I can, hard. I can, he I never walks off. He's there from eight <laughs> to five, grinding all day, making sure that you guys get exactly what you pay for. Forget this man. He's been drinking. No, he has no I'm idea just what saying. He's saying. Anyways, I, let's I, get on to <laughs> let's get on to the podcast because we are not going to talk about how much we don't work. Okay. No, okay. I definitely, I definitely I, work. But I, okay, cool. the ability to go to like ten to four and then like 
like eight to like 10 or whatnot, spend time with your kids. I can take, I can wake up, get Jack breakfast, go to the gym, take him to school. Like, do you know how cool that is? Like have breakfast with him, go to the gym, come back, take him to school, take a shower and then start my day. Hey, that's awesome. It is, it is, you know, so I've been doing it now for the three years. It's, it's awesome until it's not awesome. So like the little things never go away. The kids coming home from school, being able to mm-hmm. take them to school, go to lunch with the wife, all of those cool things that come with it. Maybe occasionally breaking off and playing a round of 18 during the workday. You know, not saying I've done that, but I'm saying that those are things that people do do, um, you know, or going and buying a, a project car today when you're supposed to be at work, like <laughs> things like that. I'm not saying I've done, but people do those things. Um, but it eventually it becomes kind of taxing and it's, you kind of want to change the scenery. It becomes a lot to deal with. Some people thrive in it. I'm ADD. I don't thrive in it. I, I prefer a stable office organized, organized area to actually complete what I need to complete. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's cool, but like I was trying to go back to the office for my job. They off, they launched a pilot and because my job is technically remote even before, I wasn't able to go to the office. And I, or I did the first day and nobody else showed up, you know, 500 person office. I was the only person that showed up and I was the person that was not supposed to be able to show up. And then they told me the next day that I'm not able to show up and have an office space anymore. And I'm like, well, guys, how are you supposed to test the pilot if there's nobody here to test the office out? <laughs> And they're like, <laughs> they're like, too bad. Uh, you stay remote. But um, anyways, yeah. Uh, congrats, John. It's it's totally awesome to see what you're doing. I'm, I'm hoping to experience something very similar here within the next six to eight months. So, um, you know, all the blessings and, and, you know, praise to your hard work and the effort you applied to it. And uh, it, it's a dope thing to witness. So, so congrats. Thank you, sir. It's definitely been a lot of hard work, but it's, it's awesome. I'm so sad. Good. Uh, All right. We all just pumped up John. We got uh, a total, uh, a lot of people in the chat and not, we only have two likes. Kind of disappointing. I don't really understand it. They're free. You guys are here on time and punctual. Okay. That means you like us. If you like us, then you hit the like, right? Like us, like the channel. Two things go together. Two plus two equals four. It's just the way it is. Um, All right. My positive for the week. Um, I went and bought, uh, I, I found this really good deal on a car. So for anybody that has, that knows me well enough, knows that I've gotten into German cars a lot lately. And I found a 2001 Audi TT that has to have the instrument cluster rebuilt. And it has 46,000 miles, one owner. And I got it for $2,000 today and it is in mint condition. Oh, it wow. Is, it is literally the interior is perfect. The convertible top works perfectly. The cover for the convertible top when you're driving with the top down is perfect. Every The body is in perfect sh- shape. Patrick, unsubscribe. Um, and um, <laughs> I guarantee you my Audi will smoke whatever you're driving. Um, and um, yeah, so $2,000. I, I bought it. I drove it home. And I look online to see what they're selling for and there's a 91,000 mile TT that is not in good sh- as good a shape as mine and it's selling for 10 grand. Oh wow. 
So now I'm contemplating, should I just post it and sell it for 12 grand and make a nice $10,000 profit? Or should I just keep it and maybe in another 10 years when it's a 30-year-old car, it'll just be worth even more with all the low mileage. So that's my that's my positive for the week. That sounds like quite a dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. Are you are you going to rebuild the in- instrument panel? Or is that something you're going to do? Uh, I'd send it off to get done. I, I couldn't do that. That's I a gotcha. little bit more. That's a little out of my realm. Um, but it's like 350 bucks to fix it. But what I did no do is I bought, um, you could buy a external um instrument cluster so basically it plugs into the obd and you put it on your um you uh you put put it on your dash like a you know like a you know like those cell phone holders you like put it on and you can place your phone on it Mm -hmm. well this one has a screen it was like 50 bucks and it'll show me miles mileage my you know is my engine temperature too high or low gas all of that and it was like 50 bucks so okay um, i don't actually need to because you don't have to have that for inspection of course not, because Texas. I mean, it, it's Texas. Yeah, we don't. Why protect not? Our that, kids in school, and you don't yeah, have to that, have a working instrument cluster to be able to uh, to, to drive your car your, to get it inspected and pass regulations. I love how Pet sure. Storm has le- led a uh, question. Curious of y'all's thoughts. What 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 are our thoughts? All right, lay it on us, Pat. What, what, does having a roster full of prove it deal guys give you an advantage? or disadvantage when it comes to building a roster for the future. Come on, Pat, do you just tune into us whenever you like want, like, or do you listen to every episode? This puts you in an extremely good position because, and we've been calling it the diamond in the rough, right? We've been saying that since free agency, since the draft, since the off season, you sign all these little guys here and there. And in a rebuild year where you lose your quarterback, like there's no better time to do it you're literally able to potentially find two or three guys at positions of need that you can build around as you start the rebuild process. So like, let's take Desmond King, for example, Desmond King is going to outperform his contract. He technically has already outperformed his contract in previous years where he's been, but health has never been on his side. But as a cornerback, he is much more, he's worth much more than what his contract actually states. So if he could stay healthy this year and you're able to find a nickel corner that's young, I think he's 26, right? You can sign him to a four to five year deal next year when you really are pushing and you're able to actually start to build those roster spots up, right? So now you're talking about now you're talking about having another guy that you never thought you'd have. You either thought you're gonna have to fill the hole with free agency or fill it with the draft. So that's just one side of the defense, right? If you look at, um, I'm trying to think like uh, Paul Kruger Hill, right? Linebacker, vet guy, not a vet, but a vet, shown really good speed. You've lacked a coverage linebacker for the last, you know, 30 years or since you've been a franchise. You find a guy who has that, that speed and that ability and that skill, you hit on it. Now you're able to sign him to an extension because you gave him the shot. So you got to think about it like this, right? You gave these guys the shot you're giving them the playing time and you're putting them in a position to succeed. So as all of the coaches do what they're supposed to do with the players, those players are now not necessarily going to be hundred percent loyal, but they're going to know that they're going to continue to thrive, which means there's a good chance for another second contract and all these other things, all that stuff starts to play in. So I think it's a huge advantage. Um, 
and it gives you the opportunity to scout more guys to build around as you go through this rebuild. That's my answer. Yeah, and it's no fun when I agree with you, but yeah, I mean, at this point, the biggest problem that the Texans had when they were a very top-heavy roster is they did not have all these sort of guys, all these guys that are average to above average that in the right system they may excel. So this is essentially building that core. You're trying to figure out which one of these guys are going to hit. Maybe, maybe a third of them hit. Maybe not. But they're guys that know how to play football in the NFL. They're professionals. They've flashed somewhere at some point. Some of them have had injuries. Some of them have had off years. But it's the essentially it's the model that the Patriots just killed to death. Like they are hammered for death for years and years and years. They didn't have a lot of rookies. They had a lot of veterans that were good at certain things on, on private deals essentially. And they were able to stock their core around that. And Casario of course comes from the Patriots. It's the Patriots South, but it's a model that we actually kept talking about Bill O'Brien. We kept hoping he would do. He did half of it. He didn't play rookies, which is the completely wrong way to look at it. You play rookies that can contribute. Even even Belichick does that. But Bill O'Brien took some of the... It's like he got the lessons and he got the thoughts from Belichick, but he didn't know how to put it actually into practice. Casario might. He might be able to actually put it into practice. So I think it's an advantage. It's like, it's a good plan. I mean, it's the only plan right now that they can truly go with. I mean, when you look at the draft capital, you looked at the players that could go out there and sign. So, I mean, they did the common sense thing and they're not going to be the worst team in the NFL. Now are they going to be, they're going to, they're going to be annoyingly competitive. Like I have said that for months now, they're not going to be quite bad enough that we're going for the top pick, but they shouldn't be good enough that we're going to the playoffs. So probably like a pick seven to 10, like that's where I think we're going to end up. When I look at the roster and I look at everything that's been done, I think, I think this rebuild is going exactly how you would want it to go. Let's also take into account like the things that have come out with Deshaun over the last week or so criminal charges, FBI investigation, human trafficking, prostitution. You know, shout out to Chris Otto who said literally that was a very good question by the way, Patrick, because I don't think people really think about it like that. Um, so it gives a different perspective. Uh, you see a lot of vet deals, you see one two year deals and you think not long term guys. You think um, you think that it's it's really just like a, a they're fillers. And in some cases that is the case. They are fillers. Uh, but you hope to hit on a couple to where they become more than who the, what they actually were signed to be. Uh, anyways, if you look into the rebuild and look at how they're building the team and how Nick is building the team, um, it's it's a very smart approach. Um, and if you take into consideration also what is happening with the criminal aspect of Deshaun Watson, let's say that those things are true. Let's say those end up happening, right? And then you have the ability to void a contract and a salary of $37 million a year, which at that point you're able to sign two, maybe three, two major guys if you need to in free agency. Or 
you're able to retain guys. Like if you pay attention, I wasn't on this, this off season a lot. I think it was on one or two. There's a team in the AFC South that gets a lot of crap for not spending during free agency. And that team is the Indianapolis Colts. They every, every year for the last three years, since Chris Ballard has been there, they've had over a hundred million dollars to spend on free agency. And if you watch them, even, you know, Zach Hicks, whoever is covered, Stephen Holder, all the people that cover the Colts, they all get pissed off. They don't understand why they're not spending in free agency. But it, it's such a smart approach, right? The draft is there to so you have the ability to add players to your roster. When you're operating the way that the Colts and Chris Ballard are operating, it leaves you with the amount of money needed to retain the guys you hit on, right? And they hit on a lot of guys. I mean, a lot of guys. If you look at how they draft, they have a very, very, very skilled team at all the positions you would want to have skilled players at, right? Outside of quarterback. And that we, we, we're about to understand what that means and what that looks like. So, and anybody that says they don't, look at the years before Deshaun. But they're, they're built to be able to retain their top-tier talent in drafts. And then they fill holes throughout you know, free agency, and then they continue to build through the draft, build through the draft, build through the draft. And that's how you build a successful long-term team is by retaining the talent you draft, the talent that was developed by you. And that's what Chris Ballard is doing and has been doing. And it's such a smart approach. And it's going to pay well, also long-term, too. I mean, there's also part of it, though, is right at the beginning, you bring in a lot of guys that underperform somewhere else and you hope that they hit. And Ballard did that. And you, Casario is almost mimicking that. You're able to fill a lot of your roster with guys that were not appreciated somewhere else. And there is a lot of turnover. It's just not big turnover, like big name turnover. Like even with the Colts, there's a lot of turnover from year to year, but they don't waste money on second contracts on guys that are barely there. They don't waste money on third contracts. Like think uh, Desaire, Pierre Desaire. Like he was a guy that we all wanted. Um, cover or he was that zone cover. And Indianapolis signed him, even though he played for another team, d- underperformed for them. Had the best two years of his career in Indianapolis, and then they didn't resign him when he le- when he left, and he just fell off a cliff. So it's doing that smart sort of. You spread out. You know you're going to miss on players, but you get as many players in as you can. You can continuously evaluate them. And it's bottom of the roster, middle of the roster type chart. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's for me, and and Chris is 100% right, like in in today's NFL, it's extremely hard to be able to do that. It's really hard. This The hard part isn't necessarily developing and retaining. It's – sticking to the plan and the process of developing and retaining and not deterring off that path and continuing down it. Right. That's a hard plan to stick with. And then on top of that, also be competitive, right? Like if you look at the, everything the Colts have been through since Andrew Luck retired, they've, they have it down pat, right? They'll take their risks, their DeForest Buckner's, their Carson Wentz's, right. And but they're low risk, high reward type of moves. And it, it's, it's, it's worked for them. 
if Carson Wentz comes back and ends up being the quarterback in Philly that he was, they won that trade. They won the trade um, because they solved the biggest need in, of every NFL team, right? That doesn't have a quarterback. So um, it's extremely hard to do. It's extremely hard to do and also be competitive. And I know we, we're not supposed to applaud what the what the Indianapolis Colts have done because we it's always fucked the Colts, and I get that. But you have to kind of take those – you know, red, white, and blue shaded glasses off and look at the way that the Colts are constructing their team. And it's an extremely smart, smart process. Yeah. I mean, if they don't get blindsided by Andrew Luck, like they went from being the worst team um, two years ago, three years ago, um, they were considered the, had the worst roster in the entire NFL outside Andrew yeah. Luck to flipping it around to now they have probably the best roster short of a quarterback. Yeah. So if, if they had a like let's say Deshaun never had any of his issues and Deshaun was a Colt, they're 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 Super Bowl contenders. I mean, yeah. if they had that type of quarterback because of their roster, they are Super Bowl contenders year in, year out. Ballard's they're Super Bowl favorites, good. not yeah, just yeah. contenders, favorites with that roster. Yeah. Um, I don't know where this is coming from. Uh, because Rick never drafted well outside of the first round. I, I don't see any Rick Smith and Chris Ballard's path, but sure. Um, all right, let's get to um, let's get to the preseason game. That's why we're all here. We're already three days removed, uh, and then we got the Cowboys on Saturday. Um, what if you had one thing to take away from Saturday's game? I already know what you're going to say. That's fine. That's why we are co-hosts. That's why we do what we do. <laughs> what is the one positive that you would take away from the preseason game on Saturday? The Texans look better coached than they did right. last year. Already. What I thought you were going to say. I mean, well, let's, let's be honest. It's true. Like, oh. they looked as well coached. The guys that never had a chance to develop all of a sudden look remarkably better. It's one of those things that's absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, but we'll see. I mean, when when Bill O'Brien first took the Texans job, that first season, that, that team actually looked well-coached. I don't know if, what happened to Bill O'Brien. I don't know if he just got spread too thin, if he started just cutting the wrong coaches or whatnot. Even with Bill O'Brien, they did come out very low penalties, very disciplined, other than a couple of certain players. But this team comes out. There's no stars on this team, even if it, it, it doesn't really even matter preseason or not preseason, other than Laramie Tunsil. There's really not, not any stars. But both of the lines played extremely well against a supposedly deep Packers team. They had guys actually – like ball hawking, like really getting to the ball every single play. There's a reason why those turnovers kept happening. And I mean, the offense, like it wasn't a dumpster fire. And first preseason game, it's so easy to overreact. We still got to see more things going on, but short of Jeff Driscoll, who actually, when he was a lead blocker, I mean, he did well as a lead blocker. 
don't ask him to throw a football, but if you're just going to throw like the wing T or something out there, like even your quarterback was blocking well. I, I mean, I, how can you not come away from this game just like with a just a feeling of optimism? Yeah, I think, um, you know, two weeks ago I told you guys at camp what I saw was a much better coached team with a culture that has drastically changed. And that's what you saw Saturday night. You had guy. let's just start with the D-line. D-line, you saw an aggressive, active hands, 100% motor the entire time. And those are things that you never saw with Bill O'Brien. Um, and it was spread out throughout the entire field. It, no matter what side of the ball it was on, you saw effort plays. And effort plays, to me, are what was lacking in the Bill O'Brien era. Um, you know, if we just go back to the D-line, we relied solely on J.J. Watt to be able to manufacture a pass rush. Everybody else was just kind of there, and J.J. Watt free, you know, freestyled and did what he needed to do to be able to gain what he needed. And you had a bunch of guys who were not able to perform because J.J. would sacrifice all the other things. That wouldn't be happening on a Coley coach team. Another thing is that these players like David Coley. You got everybody can laugh at the hire of David Coley. You could go to Wikipedia and read his entire, you know, coaching uh, history. You can talk about how he may not deserve to be a uh, head coach. Look, there are plenty of times in all of everybody's job where somebody was not supposed to get a job and ended up exceeding expectations at a very, very high level. And, you know, I don't know where this leads us. I don't know what to expect from like a playoff standpoint and things of that nature, but I can tell you that this team's going to compete every week. And when you look at the BOB era, there were games where we just didn't compete. Yeah. There was definitely games where they just rolled over. They just rolled over. And, I mean, I think that part of that, now that you bring it up, it was just like a kind of a random thought. So I think Bill O'Brien, regardless of his words, actually, I mean, he definitely played play favors. I think they picked yeah. up on if you had draft capital, you had draft protection. If you were a star, you had that protection, and which endeared him to some players. But I bet you for a lot of these guys that you build the core of your roster under, the back end of the roster guys, I bet you there was a lot of ill feelings towards that. And right now... I think that the Texans legitimately believe Casario and Cully when they say it's for competition. And now hopefully they continue to have the follow through with it. But I think they really do treat every single position like it's up for grabs. Like anybody could win in it, anything. And that's how they play. Like they, these players played for got, like guys that are trying to compete for roster spots, that nothing is a given to get a chance, some of them are playing, trying to go out there and get just starters minutes. Like they're trying to elevate their game. And I mean, that honestly looked great. There was no, I mean, talk about the offensive line. We didn't have any of those whiff blocks where somebody gets hurt because the offensive line just had poor effort on a play. Every oh, single play didn't do what we could have had one, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, I mean, it was, most could have been dead, but sure. <laughs> um, but for the, mo I mean, for the most part, but for the most part, 
this was all backup offensive lines for an offensive line that's supposed to be horrible um, by some measures. Has been um, especially, And has been horrible in the past. And, you know, they – backups pl- played fine. Like, they played competitively. And, again, I was blown away because the Packers are supposed to be this super deep team, a team that is built to go to the Super Bowl. And, again, preseason work week one, and you're playing against the backups. But you would have just thought that the Packers had more fight in them than that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree. I think the biggest thing to take away from the game in general – outside of individual performances, is the fact that this team is ready to play. They've used and they training want to camp play. properly. They got, you know, Coley got destroyed for delaying training camp. Um, and and these guys are all, you heard it today from Ross Blacklock. He took a shot at JJ and, you know, the previous regime. Um, you just hear it when you when these players talk. They love Coley. They love the culture. They love the other coaches. They love Nick. Um, and you, it was apparent on the field on Saturday. So for me, I thought that was really the biggest thing that anybody should be happy and proud about. Um, so, yeah. Um, the other big takeaway for me, should it be a surprise, but um, I really like Davis Mills' game. I do. I like Davis Mills' game. I think there's something there. I'm going to come out and say it now. I think this kid, I don't know what, I don't know if it's, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's, he's, he's Peyton Manning, but I think he's actually an above average quarterback in this league. When you take into account the lack of, the lack of experience in college, you take away, you know, this being his first preseason game. Here's here's why I think it. First two series, the kid came out and looked like a, a third-round rookie quarterback. Then he came back out, and those three passes he had on third down, there was it was a third and eight, a third and 13, and a third and 10. That... You're like your average quarterback doesn't get you out of those types of of situations a lot. He did it three times, and they were both on the money. Um, that on the throw, that bootleg to the right, throwing while running. If that was just any other receiver other than Anthony Miller, literally any other receiver on the roster other than Anthony Miller or maybe well- Kiki. I mean, here's the thing. Anthony Miller didn't think that he had that good of an arm. You could see him actually step uh, back, slow down and step back, where if he had continued towards the corner, he catches it. Like, if he doesn't break stride, Miller catches that ball. Like, that was a really well-thrown ball. It was an incomplete, but that was on the receiver. That was totally on the receiver. and Not even his height. That was just him not giving up on it. So part of it is... I mean, that's more proof that, that Mills needs reps. Yeah, I, and so for me, like, I I was happy about the pick. Everybody knows it. I actually almost tweeted out that night that they were going to take Davis Mills, and I was scared people would think that I was trying to like be a source or anything like that. But I expected Davis Mills to be drafted. 
with everything going on with Deshaun, I expected it. He was the best third round rookie quarterback that could have been taken. Take away your fandom for whatever team that Trask and Mund played for. Davis Mills has the highest potential out of all three of them. And it's just a lack of experience. But when you see a quarterback get better in the in during a game, a rookie, let alone, that's what you want to see. And a lot of the things he needs to fix are basic stuff. We're not talking about like the like you know, five year vet things that he needs to fix. We're talking no. about like like dump offs, screens. Which I mean, let's let's like let's be honest. We need to see more of Mills. I mean, he needs to play. For sure. He he needs to play. Um, to see if he if he can. Cause let's not forget a lot of those easy things, some quarterbacks, <clears throat> David or Mallet, <clears throat> never never learn how to throw those little touch passes. Like they those basic things just escape some guys. And with Mills, maybe. Like they look relatively easy to fix, like or they at least look like stuff that is coachable. But there's a reason why he has such a high ceiling. There was a reason why um, they talked about if he stayed in another year and showed progression that he would have been a potential first round pick at quarterback. And you could see those glimpses. But the reason why he wasn't a first round pick, you also saw that too. Because he made he showed a lot and then he got crazy inconsistent. So if he plays and he's able to become consistent, then yeah, he can definitely become at least an average. If he stays inconsistent, I still think that he'll at worst ends up being a quality backup. So yeah, I mean he's some he's somebody to be excited to watch and it will be interested to watch him. But Let's not let's not annoy him yet. Uh, not anointing him. He's gonna have a lot. Look, he's gonna come out. He could come out Saturday and suck. He could suck if Tyrod got hurt week one. But what I want to say is, and what I believe is that he has the ability to get better. And that's like that's a trait you look for. You know what he's better at than Deshaun was his rookie year? One trait. It's something I always talk about. I, I've harped on this. I was on. I was hard on Deshaun. People thought I didn't like Deshaun because I said this for three years. Not giving up on a play, trying to be Superman Anticip- all the time. Anticipation. Oh, anticipation. Anticipation. He got rid of the ball so quick at times. He was leading his receivers properly. Those are the things that you need to be able to be at the next level type of quarterback. The other stuff you could work on a fix. I'm not saying it, that we will either, but I liked what I saw from Davis Mills. I also liked what I saw out of Tyrod Taylor for the first yeah. series. Well, I mean, Tyrod showed he's pretty much what he's always been. There was no long passes. He didn't push the ball down the field, but the passes that he can make, he did make. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just... I didn't expect to see Tyrod. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not a hater. Uh, see, there we go. Jair with the stats, my boy. You know, two uh, Ryan, two Patrick Coley actually had it up. 
Oh, that's that's good. That's really good. That's really good. Mm -hmm. That's one, two, three, throw. One, two, three, throw. One, two, three, throw. There was a couple. It was one, two, throw. Um, So, again, I know you guys are going to come at me. He could be Tom Savage for all we think. You know, who knows? Savage never never had a release like that. No, never. Never. Deshaun doesn't have a release like that. No. Um, so but that's that's not his game. No, it's not. I mean, it's not. It's not a lot of people's game. Yeah. And I mean, the two th- the reasons why that's good. First off, that means he has a short memory. He's not hesitating and he's trusting to play. If they're throwing it, if their release is that quick, either the only way that it's bad is if he's panicking, but then it's actually usually higher because when when you're a panicky quarterback with happy feet, you bounce around, then throw it away. And he's yeah. not throwing it away. He bounces back after interceptions. He stayed aggressive, but it's yep. one preseason game. Yep, yep. What happens if he has – what happens when he – because he's going to – this is a guy – like this isn't to knock him. This is just what we have to see. He has to have – he's going to end up having multiple games in a row where he throws multiple interceptions. What happens then? If he's able – to just continue to shake it off, then yeah, he's going to be a good quarterback. If he's not able to shake it off, you don't know. But you, he's got to play. Like we are in a hundred percent agreement. I think he needs to play this year. Um, and I say this with somebody that is impressed by Tyrod, but Tyrod is—he's the best backup quarterback you could want in the league. He shouldn't be starting. Like he's not going to—he's not going to win you any games. But he's not going to lose you any games either. He is a quarterback that is a perfect reflection of his team. If the team is a solid team with him at quarterback, they're going to continue to be a solid team. He's not going to elevate them. And we got to find out if Mills can be a guy that will elevate his team, if he's going to be essentially another tie rod that just reflects his team, or if he's going to be a guy that brings the team down. Yeah. Um Patrick, he's his mechanics are almost flawless already. That that's not true. the The one part of his game that I wouldn't say is flawless, but he looked really good at mechanic wise is his footwork. Um, that was one thing I liked a lot, and that was one of his biggest knocks coming out of the draft was his footwork was not there. Um, but he looked really good in the pocket. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely say that. Um, all right, let's get on to the rest. I, um, one more thing about him. One more thing, and this is more of a positive. How much better did he look than Jordan Love? Uh, a lot better. A lot better. Yeah. Definitely in uh, agreement. A lot. Love better. has got the extra year in the NFL, the extra year of coaching. You would have never known he was the guy that was supposed to be more experienced. Extra year behind a. And he was a first. Love was a first round pick, wasn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, real quick before we get into the rest of the game, um, we're going to do a little contest. So, for the podcast listeners, for the YouTube listeners, for anybody else, Periscope, Facebook, however you guys watch, you guys have the opportunity to either take one game and have my two tickets to the game, or you can go to a game with me. It'll be your choice. You cannot take the Patriots game, and you cannot take the Seattle game. Those are the only thing. But for that to happen, 
I need to see who has the best iTunes review for our podcast. I want to see the best iTunes review, and the winner will get two tickets to a Texans game this season. So iTunes, go to iTunes, write your best five-star review. We're trying to pump that up because from an algorithm standpoint, when it comes to Apple Podcasts, the more reviews you have, the the better you have a chance of being discovered by other you know Texans fans and things of that nature. The it, it, it's kind of a weird way for that to be the case. Um, can you give the tickets to Jordan? 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 Who? Jordan? Texans thoughts? He's not gonna be able to fly down here. He's in Canada. Um, but uh, yeah, if you guys want to go, go to Apple iTunes. Leave your best review, and by the end of the preseason, right before Week One, I'll pick a winner. I have to have at least twenty reviews for that to be the case. Um, it's, I don't know if it's called iTunes. I think it's called Apple Podcasts or something like that. Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever it may be. Um, Jordan is in jail. What? He's in Canada. He's just locked down. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, it doesn't matter. Send all your screenshots, tag me on Twitter, DM, whatever it would be. Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Michael Scott, Apple Podcasts. Sorry, not iTunes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, good thing you have 20 accounts, 100%. All right, let's get into other good things that we liked about this Texans game. Uh, you want to lead off and talk about the defenses. I think that's that's the thing that I think surprised people the most. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that defensive line rotation? I, I was actually really, really impressed with – they just kept bringing guys in and you saw more out of them. And, again, desperately needed – our defensive line has been horrible the past cu- couple of years, short of Charles Aminihu, DJ Reader, and JJ Watt when he was healthy. But to see not one of those, th- I mean, Reader's gone. Aminihu, he didn't even play, did he? No. And of course, Watt's well, gone. Didn't play either. Yeah. And just the guys like Ross Blacklock getting some pressure, looking athletic. Jonathan Grenard, talk about a perfectly executed strip sack. Perfectly executed. These were draft picks from last year that never got a chance to even play. Um, who else am I thinking of that had a really good play? Um, of course, Roy, Lop- Roy Lopez got back there, got a sack. I mean, I was just, again, completely blown away with the defensive line play. And – Martin, he played the entire game. Yep. Or not the entire game, but he – the entire first half. And he looked like a defensive end. He didn't look overpowered. And you would find that out just, you know, you'd find, you would find that out already. What do you think? Um, I think my I, – I don't, I don't really want to, like, like, talk about a specific position group or a specific player um, because I think the theme of the season will be a different player each week um, that is talked about. I don't think there's a real star on this, on this defense. Um, I think it's, it's going to be a team. It's going to be, 
you know, everybody plays their position, plays their role. Um, and that's how they're going to have an aggressive, fun, you know, defense. Um, so as a whole, I think the defense really outperformed and exceeded expectations. It's going to be a collective group. Exactly. Patrick, um, every week. And that's what we saw on Saturday. And I think if that's the case, then I think we're in really good hands. You know, I think the one person that could potentially be a real star for us this year um, is probably Justin Reed. Dark Horse, maybe Lonnie. Maybe Lonnie. Potentially Lonnie. Would love for it to be Lonnie. Um, But outside of that, I think it's going to be a collective um, effort by everybody. And uh, that's what I saw Saturday. You saw different guys in the D-line get after the quarterback uh, you know, crash the pocket, force errant throws, um, get some quarterback pressures. Uh, they stopped the run extremely well. Um, you know, s- safeties were aggressive. Corners looked locked in. Linebackers were able to cover, you know. Um, so ultimately for me, when I look at the defense, I-, I was really surprised by the amount of effort and aggression that they played with. It looked like everybody was playing with a, with a he- 100% motor and never ended. Um, it never like trailed off at the end of the game or anything like that. And, uh, that to me is really the biggest surprise and really the best part about what to expect from this defense. No, very good point. Um, why do you think crossing got traded? Why do I think crossing got traded? I think because he's short and we already have enough short corners um and the Giants were willing to give a six round pick, which is what we got two years ago for Keon Crossan. Why think do you that, think? Well, no, I'm genuinely kind of curious because I was kind of surprised. He would have been our easily our fourth or fifth best corner, right? Like that's what we were thinking. Like coming fourth. without seeing seeing fourth. any yeah fourth without seeing any of the training camp, without seeing any of the other guys. But just the assumption going into the uh, season is fourth at worst, fifth best corner. I'm not sure who would be the fourth best corner ahead of him, but just going into it. And before first cuts, they trade him for a six-round pick. So does that tell you that maybe they were going to cut him? Maybe. It looks like they're almost trying to get anything out of him or – Jair steals my thunder or our Tarvier Thomas and Tremont Smith <laughs> really, really like exactly where I was going. Um, I've heard they're having great camps. They look like they're having a very solid. I mean, they look solid in the preseason game. Tremont Smith comes down with a amazing interception. Like you gotta, he got a speed down. Like that would have been a very easy one to step out of bounds and he got a speed down. So is that, do we think we have good feelings about that or? Um, honestly, I didn't give trading Keon Crossan too much thought. I think, um, I think they probably, they know, I think they know what they have with Keon Crossan. And I think there's a couple guys that they'd like to see a little bit more of to be able to have an understanding of what this secondary room could look like for the future. You know, you have Roby under contract, you know, you're hopefully Desmond outperforms his contract and signs an extension. 
Uh, Terrence Mitchell looks like he's going to be a, a really nice number two opposite of Roby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the young guys that are coming up. So I think they really just wanted to see the young guys get a little bit more snaps. And that's honestly all I think it boiled down to. Okay. I'm just wondering because, again, Keon Cross, and we all expected him, number four, number five, traded so quickly. So I'm hoping the, the younger guys are just playing better than when we saw out of Cross in last year. This is a good this is a good shout out by Nikki. Uh I flinch every time King is returning because of low depth on cornerback. Yeah, I mean it was nice to see a little bit of speed and a little bit of fun on the returns, but I agree given his injury history. Um I don't know how many times I actually want to see Desmond King return punts or kickoffs, but um he is an athlete. Um uh, he might be the best athlete in the secondary to be honest with you. Um but I agree. I don't. I don't want to see him returning any kickoffs. Yeah. I mean, he's absolutely electric. But no, I get that. Like, who's going to play slot if he gets hurt? John Reed, the, quarter, John the quarterback Reed. that was talked about all of last offseason and we've heard nothing about. You know, comes in, makes all the tackles in the first game, and then doesn't play again. And I mean, granted, apparently Reed's not had a good. Not had a good camp, but he did show – he has shown something. I mean, he's shown something in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see more John Reed. A lot of people think he's going to be cut. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the three is set in Roby, Terrence, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Desmond. So, um you know, Vernon's probably going to be the fourth or fifth, which, to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of Vernon Hargraves, just like everybody else. But, you know, I, th- I think he's also kind of been put in a bad spot the last two years to be able to actually make a name for himself because he's kind of been our number one corner and the number two <laughs> corner for, for a season or two. And he's just not that guy. Um, but playing a fourth or playing as the fourth or fifth corner on the roster, uh, on the depth chart, I think that that, that he might be serviceable in that spot. Um, cause he just won't be getting a ton of playing time. Yeah. And what they ask him to do would hopefully be completely different than, yeah. you know, if he's the number two, we'll see. Cause I mean, Hargraves, I mean, he does have, he does have the size. Like we've talked about it before. He has all the things you can't coach, but for whatever reason, you can't coach him up. Yeah. I don't know. What else were your takeaways from the game on Saturday? Um, what do you think about the calling and things of that nature? How, how much of a fan were you of the power power zone scheme with uh third and two and David Johnson up the middle again? Did you have flashbacks? Did you like grab oh, your beer and just like crush it as hard who, as you can while watching it? Who didn't? I mean, at first I'm like excited because we're we, we sat there and we actually talked if the best rotation would have Philip Lindsay Philip Lindsay as the first and second down back with David Johnson coming in as the third down back, the receiving back out of the backfield, even though he's the bigger guy. And you know, we're watching it and you think that's what's gonna happen. Lindsay's coming in, he's running fairly well. David Johnson's coming in as the third down back. They're not going to run them up the middle. They've learned their lesson. They run them up the fucking middle. Yeah. Negative one. Like, 
they didn't learn their lesson. Like, <laughs> but we'll see. Maybe they just needed the, uh, maybe they just needed the preseason to get that out of their system. But we, as soon as that handoff took place, we all knew what was going to happen. And <laughs> it's just one of those that I don't have any hair or I pulled it out. Cause it's like, seriously, but it's preseason. So it Tim is Kelly what it is. Probably, uh, Tim Co- Kelly probably pulled out his cell phone on that play. And he's like, he like probably texts a bill, but like, Hey, uh, tune in to, to ABC right now. <laughs> and then he's like, here's what I'm going to just, just trust me. Just turn it on to ABC. I want you to watch. It's, a, it's we're on third and two right now. Watch the play call. I'm about to third call. and one. Third uh, and one. No, it was third and two. I thought it was one. It ended no, it up being third and two because he lost was, the yard or fourth and two. Cause he lost it? the yard on the play. Maybe, maybe. I thought Either so. Way. Because it yeah, was supposed, to, it looked like it was going to be an easy give me first down, and he gets stuffed. Anyway, so then he's like, "All right, hey, like tune in, Bill. I got something for you." And then like Bill O'Brien like turns on ABC, and he's like, "All right, I'm ready, TK." And then he hands it off to David Johnson for right up the middle, and <laughs> Bill O'Brien says, "Oh man, it didn't work. Keep trying." And Tim Kelly just like blocked him. <laughs> TK is like this one's for you, Bill. This one's for Block. you, bro. You <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I mean, think of the running backs yeah. in general, though. What are they going to do with Scotty Phillips? He's got to make the team. How? I mean, make the numbers work. How? As Rex fourth. Burkhead's apparently going to make the team. They gave him like the veteran rest. Um, it's got to be as the fourth. So nobody, how? No, nobody. Then who? Well, I mean, I Burkhead plays special teams, so. Yeah, honestly, but we're all going under the assumption of how Bill O'Brien would do things. Um, honestly, I don't know. Jair would know more about who would fill that role on special teams than I would. Um, but to be honest with you, I, I just don't. It's got to be Philip, David, Mark, Scotty. There's just no way you can't keep Scotty on the roster. You can't. He has to be on the roster. I'll tell you this, though. The one thing I did notice was the way that we use Quisenberry at fullback, I think made it extremely difficult for Kahali Waring to make this team. I definitely agree. And you also noticed that Kahali Waring got two balls thrown his way. One was an interception, and one should have been an interception. Yep. Makes you kind yeah. of think a little bit. So, you know, if if they are, let's say they do carry a fullback and it is Quisenberry. Well, then I would assume the tight end depth chart goes either Aikens, Pharaoh, or Pharaoh Aikens, and then Brevin Jordan and Quisenberry. And it's it's really hard to run up, or it's not hard, but you have a better advantage running a power scheme, run scheme with a fullback than you do without a fullback. And right. We're going to. So I would assume Quisenberry makes the team. And I mean, and he didn't look half bad. No, he didn't. He looked like he could block. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But I mean, all overall, what would you think of the run game in general? I mean, I wasn't overly, overly blown away by it. I think that Scotty Phillips definitely has a place on the team. Um, like, I tweeted it out but I forgot to say that it was last year that if it was any other coach than Bill O'Brien, a guy that actually, if it was any other coach that actually trusted rookies, Phillips should have made, had playing time last year. 
They were like, he is definitely an NFL back. He's better than some black backs that got uh, playing time last year, more electric. And then you continue to see it whenever he does get a chance to actually touch the ball. Um, I mean, Buddy, I mean, Buddy Howell actually ended up with 4.8 yards per carry, but he just, and he had eight carries, but he just didn't look as good as Phillips. So that is the tiebreaker who, in my mind, um, who's going to be able to practice squad, but we'll see. However, I mean, generally, like play calling, like it seemed better, but was that just the guys we had running because they had more lateral? So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, overall, I guess, you know, heading into preseason week two against the, the, the Dallas Cowboys, what is your what is your sentiment on the roster? They are pretty much where I expected them to be. Like so many veterans, they should play well right now, especially in the preseason because they're playing up against guys that have no experience. Like we don't have a rookie heavy team. So we should do well in the preseason. That should also carry over into the NFL into the uh, regular season to an extent against bad teams. Against good teams, though, we don't have difference makers. And there's still no one that jumped out. I mean, again, week one, preseason, when it looks like our biggest difference maker is going to be Chris Conley. I mean, there's some guys that can definitely grow. I mean, Nico Collins looks like he's going to be an absolute beast. Okay, I put the tweet out, but when he was running – did he not remind you of Andre Johnson? You said this last week, dude. I know, <laughs> but, but yeah, we it, actually saw it. Still it. We actually got to see yeah. it on TV. Yeah, it, he, he does have that same, the that big stride. guy. That big yeah. stride where he, he's eating up a lot of yards extremely quick, but he's not moving very fast. Like, I don't know. It, it's interesting. The guy's a freaking, just a man, dude. I mean. Yeah, just, he's going to he's gonna be something. and But. At the same time, Chris Connolly went out there and he impressed too. Like, so we've got to see. We've still got two more preseason games. I think we beat the Jaguars. The Jaguars are still a mess. I agree. Like, they are still absolutely a mess. Like, we're not going to be the worst team in the NFL. All those people that were saying it, we said that was bullshit from the beginning. We are not going to be the worst team in the NFL. I agree. It's not to say that, but we don't, I don't think we have enough to take on like the bigger teams. I, I, after this one preseason game, and just from like the coaching standpoint, I think I originally said we'd win four or five games. I think I could see us winning seven or eight, maybe. Really? Okay. There's a lot of winnable games on the schedule. There is. There is. You know, if the Colts don't get their shit together at quarterback, that's potentially two. If, I mean, the Jags are going to be the Jags. I don't think the Jags are going to be good this year in general. No. So that'll be, that's potentially two. Maybe you split with the Titans. So you're already at five. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say that if we had, if we had, four, if we had Deshaun at quarterback, this team easily makes the playoffs this year. Easily. But I mean, for a whole host of reasons, we don't want Deshaun at quarterback. And you just 
don't know if there's enough. Just don't know if there's quite enough. Oh, we play the Jets too. I mean, we have a very favorable schedule. I mean, as we should, we only won four games last year. But yeah, I mean, I'm getting it. It wouldn't surprise me if we end up being a lot closer to 500 than we expected. Yeah. Well, who are the surprise cuts for you? Who are you expecting to be surprise cuts? Any big names on there? At this point, I can't even guess. Like, is Shaq Lawson playing into the third quarter uh, somewhat of a. Hey. Yeah, he's not going to cut. He's getting paid. Yeah, like, you think he makes the team? Oh, yeah, he's making, he's making the team. Shaq Lawson's mm-hmm. definitely making the team. I mean, surprise cuts. Merck? I would be impressed if they have enough guts to do it. Yeah. I I would be absolutely impressed. Um, they don't need Merck out there. They yeah, they don't. Same same with Dunn. Like I can definitely see what G Rob yeah. Yeah. 4866 is saying. Like, if they actually cut David Johnson and Merciless, I'd be beyond impressed by the staff. But you could definitely make a case that neither one of them belong on the team. I don't think they'll cut DJ though. Yeah. Just because of the restructure. Yeah. It's the same reason with David Johnson. Just the money they already tied up into him. Yeah. I mean, Merck, that, that'd be interesting. I mean, I, it's, I can pretty confidently say that Kali Warren's gone. He just hasn't shown anything. Um, well, today he did, supposedly. One catch, finally. I mean, Some yeah. miraculous, amazing catch that only a water Which he's always... He's had the athletic ability to do, but I don't think that he's shown enough out there that they even have to worry about somebody else picking him up. If he's yeah. shown like enough flashes in practice, like they're just going to resign him to the squad, to the yeah. practice squad. The, again, the only player that I'd be worried about getting cutting and picked up by somebody else at this point is Scotty Phillips. And I mean, there's a couple of guys out there though on the defense that you could see it happen with too, but they're nobody to worry attached to at this point there's i think that i would not be surprised after final roster cutdowns is if a lot of former texans actually get picked up around the league yeah i think um i think mark could be cut um i think there might actually be like a whole this is kind of crazy but i i wouldn't be surprised if there's 10 guys cut on cut down days that we would have, or not 10, maybe five guys that we wouldn't have expected because of other guys being cut from other teams that Nick is interested in bringing in. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, Coulter getting cut, that surprised me. Oh, did it? Yeah. It shouldn't have, but it did. When you stop and you take a take a look back, it's like, yeah, Isaiah Coulter, he, he, he really should have been cut, but... At the same time, he was just drafted last year. And so that's one of the things that I think that we're going to have to wrap our head around where it doesn't look like, I don't know if it's Casario just doesn't care because it's not his guy or Casario is just going to be like, yeah, he's or he's not going to waste the time trying to develop guys. Like if they, yeah. they got to come in and show up. Chris has a real hate for uh, Roy Lopez. He does. Chris, is, he's been on this Roy Lopez stuff for like the last like, <laughs> three weeks. Y'all go back and watch the game. Roy Lopez didn't do anything. He got pushed around all over the field. His sack was a gift. 
interesting. Um, and it creeps me out, but we finally have an adult in the GM room. <laughs> he is kind of creepy looking. Um, Ross Blacklock. The Chris Conley thing for me isn't necessarily surprising because if you look at where he was before he went to Jacksonville last year, I mean, in Kansas City, he was in a crowded wide receiver room with a tight end that takes a majority of the shares as well. It was just going to be really hard for Chris Conley to be able to break out and show his potential. And then last year, all he had was Gardner Minshew. So, I don't know. No, I mean, and Conley's flashed before. Yep. But as a guy that's like a – as a guy that is a – Comfortable number two. Now, with Brandon Cooks, I don't know if Cooks is a strong enough number one for Connolly to be a quality number two from past years. But based on – we'll see. We'll just see. Because you can't – again, first first preseason game, it's so easy to overreact. We want to overreact. Like we really do, because this is all that we've seen. We got to we got to make all of our judgments. Well, you've had one day of training camp, but this is all that I've seen of half these guys. Because, I mean, a lot of them play in the NFL consistently last year, and I there's so little coming out of camps. So yeah, it's incredibly easy for me to make a lot of judgments just based on this one game. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. I'm pretty excited. I feel, I mean, I feel watching them, my biggest fear is because there was so much roster turnover with the brand new coaching staff that they were going to be sloppy as hell. And they played clean. If nothing else, they played incredibly clean, incredibly disciplined. People were staying in their positions. They were staying, staying in their coverages. Um, They weren't, they were setting the, setting the edge on the defensive line. It wasn't like gaping holes. So that's something to be popped positive and optimistic about going forward. I agree. I agree. I think um, it's just nice to like, I mean, we've kind of pretty much harped on it this entire, this entire time, but the uh, just the way that they played the effort, the things of that nature, like that was just like, I don't know, man, that that was really the best thing to see. Yeah, and rewatch the defense. Every every screen, there's four or five guys. Whenever the guy gets tackled, there may be one or two guys that actually make the tackle, but they are swarming to the ball. So again, a yeah, lot Jerry. to feel a lot more a lot, especially because we've been so down all off season. This game gave us something to be optimistic about, and after the past six months, we definitely needed it. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Jair with a great question. Thoughts on Anthony Miller injury and how it affects the depth chart. Uh, well, Kiki's going to make the team now. Or unless Erickson. Uh, Kiki looked better than Erickson. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how camp went. And the one thing that does concern me about Kiki is he has similar issues with Mills that he had with Watson where he'd be all, where he would be open or complain about being open and not getting the ball or when he would get the ball it was always, it would be in the wrong spot. So is that on Kiki or is that on the quarterbacks? Now it's two quarterbacks. So 
I just wonder, and this is where I was going to go. I just wonder if Erickson makes up for that, not keeping Buddy Howe. Potentially. I mean, I was trying to pay more attention to Erickson, especially after Sarge talked him up. But it seemed like he kind of disappeared out there. Bring back Chad Hansen, bro. <laughs> Bring back Chad Hansen. I um, mean, Hansen got cut on the first wave, and he's not a slot receiver. Yeah, I know. I just bring him back anyways. Um, Move Cooks to the slot. There you go. It's not a bad idea. You want speed in the slot. Um, yeah. I think so. With Anthony Miller being injured, you have to wonder if you know maybe it's an IR stash, and then you know brought back. You know, week what is it? Week seven, week six. Um, They've changed the role. I don't even remember. But they, they can bring de- back as many people as they want. Return. Yeah. So it's two, right? You could bring back two designated to return on the IR. Oh, it's stash. as many. It, it's it's unlimited now. With the oh, IR. Yeah, they've so, changed so the role. It's unlimited. That's mm-hmm. that's likely where Anthony Miller's going to go. Um, so that, that's my thought. Chris Moore was a favorite of David Coley in Baltimore. Yeah, I didn't see. I mean, he, he got a lot of targets. He, he was, and I think that's the entire reason why he was on the field as, or even on the Texans. But he, he didn't look good. Moore did not look good at all. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and we still got to, and we do have to count account for Andre Roberts. Yeah, absolutely. He's making the team. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, we'll learn more after Saturday's game against the Cowboys. So, all right. Well, we're an hour and 20 minutes in. Uh, anything else you wanted to cover? Oh, unlimited IR after three weeks. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Um, let's see. Anything else? So wait, unlimited IR after three weeks. Does that mean they can come back after three weeks? Instead I of think, a I think I think you could put, I think I think you can put anybody on IR after week three, right? Or can only be on IR if they're if they can only be put on IR and come back after being designated on IR oh. for three weeks. It's after three weeks. So there's no limit on player returns off the injured reserve lifts in 2021. They made it official. Unlimited players can return from the team's injured reserve list in 2021, and they're eligible after missing three games rather than eight weeks. Okay. So then that's where Anthony Miller will go. Yep. Um, my thought. Oh, look, Toby McGuire showed up. That's nice. Uh, look forward to seeing you in the new Spider-Man, buddy. Um, all right, what else? I think that's it. All right. Well, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Texans Unfiltered. We'll be back next Tuesday to break down the Cowboys game. Keep in mind, go to your favorite podcast platform, leave a review, send me a DM uh, of your reviews, um, and uh, winner will be um, selected. Right before week one, you guys can choose a game to either go with me or go with John. You can choose whoever you want and um, or go with two tickets and you guys go have fun. Just can't do the Patriots or the Seahawks. Um, make sure you guys follow the Houston football, uh, Houston FB pod on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you follow all of Texans Unfiltered uh, team members, me at young Ari underscore gold, John at John A Wade three 
follow Patrick at Patrick Storm to you and Jair at JRL to you uh, or JRL Sports to you. Um, and I guess with that being said, I'm Young Ari Gold signing off. We'll catch you guys next week.